1: In the past, we've hunted for predators on the digital superhighway of the internet, but that's not the only place they can lurk. In this sleepy small town that could be anywhere in America, we found a lady of the lake who was looking for something more than just another day in the water. After speaking with our undercover operative at the lake's edge for a few days, she was ready to lure him into the depths with her lascivious tactics and siren song. That is... Until we stepped on her tail. Ma'am, ma'am, er uh, ma'am, what are you doing here?
0: I'm just swimming in the public lake.
1: With an underage boy?
0: Everyone's underage to me. I'm 300.
1: Do you know how old Sam is?
0: No, we've never talked age.
1: Hmm. Well, the medallion transcript here says he told you that he was in high school.
0: Well, when I was turned into a mermaid, I was 16, Ma'am, it doesn't
1: matter what you look like. What matters is your age.
0: Who are you, anyway?
1: Do you watch TV?
0: No, I live inside of a lake.
1: Well, I'm Fris Handsome, and I work for Moonline MLC. You may have seen my show. To catch a cryptozoological creep, you're on it right now.
0: No, I can't risk exposure. No one can know the secret of my I mean, I, man, I don't have to sit here. And take this. Man, <laughs> have a seat, please. Man.
1: Hello and welcome to episode eighty-six of the Terrible Book Club. I'm Chris, and this is Paris. Hello. I had to turn off Fresh a- Handsome for a second there. I feel like I'm still in it. Okay, there I am. Woo! <gasps> yeah, to
0: Chris. Uh, yeah, I'm back. I'm back. I'm no longer a mermaid. All right, sick.
1: Oh well. Hello, everyone. This is a. Uh, it's a sweltering day. Well, not sweltering, but it's hot out here. And we're here with your hot patron picks. Uh this one was selected by our patron Kieran, and we read The Secret of Moon Lake by Sophia Nova uh, Right? Uh no, it's it's Gloria. Guess guess what, guys? It's another Gloria Tesh book.
0: Yeah, um actually we we had multiple patrons and people message us about this, so you know. Uh, it had to be done, but, uh, this is technically for Kieran, so, thank you so much for your support, Kieran, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Um, this episode is, episode, this episode, yeah, uh, this episode is actually the first in our two-part month of Maradonia. We did this last year in May, uh, but this year we had to push it to June, but you will still be getting two back-to-back episodes relating to Maradonia, so, you know, people just ask for it all year long, um... I don't know, y'all really fucking love this Maradonia shit, so here we are again.
1: Yeah, somewhat of a recurring theme for us, I suppose, which I feel mixed about. Um, but, you know, it's it's a good content mine, I guess you could say, and this one was, you know, definitely out of the usual Maradonia stuff, since it's not Maradonia, and it's not even listed under Gloria Tesh's real name. She's going by Sophia Nova here instead, perhaps a rebranding attempt.
0: Yeah, um, so we've actually only read... We read the first Maradonia book kind of on our own, and all of the other Maradonia-related content have been uh, patron requests. So (laughs) this is like, we're not choosing this <laughs> the patrons yeah. are yeah. um and they're beholden he, to their money yeah and if you're interested to know more about Gloria Tash, her family and the Maradonia book series you can check out episodes 11 62 and 63 of terrible book club um other people on the internet have done deeper dives on the family in the series via blogs and such um but you know sometimes it's necessary for us to talk about the author and her family for appropriate context but we do our best to focus on the books themselves and not get um too mired in in the muck there
1: we're really trying to evaluate the book on its own merits here, which we're definitely gonna be trying to do here uh, mostly outside of comparisons to Meredonia, but there's some things about it that you just gotta compare to Maridonia because it's the same things are the, some things are same
0: yeah um uh, um so. If you've never listened to this show before, what we do at the Terrible Book Club is read books that we assume will be bad. And we assume they're bad based on a weird cover, a bad title, a bonker summary, or some combination of those three things. So we do the opposite of what most people do when they're browsing in a bookstore or scrolling through Amazon. Usually, this experiment results in a hilariously disappointing read, but once in a while, we end up liking the book. Um, And of course, we have episodes like today's Patron's Choice episode, where we read books that our patrons request us to read. Um, For content warnings today, weirdly, we kind of just have one thing we got to talk about. It's a real
1: zero to hundred here, guys, so prepare (laughs) yourselves.
0: Yeah, so we just got our usual barnyard language, but then we've got to talk about pedophilia for a little bit, so, you know, just, know. (laughs) just... Just have that. Just no, know.
1: Just, it'll come it, eventually. Judging by our cold open there, you probably figured that out. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. How about you just read the summary on the back of the book and maybe people can see where that's coming from.
0: All right. So The Secret of Moon Lake by Sophia Nova has the following summary. When 14-year-old Sam Lawrence stumbles across a magical medallion, eerie things begin to happen in the city of Moon Lake. Sam realizes that the legends might actually be true when he discovers Aurelia, a mysterious mermaid who has been trapped in the lake for 300 years. As Sam's friendship with the mermaid increases, so does the power of the medallion. Sam slowly begins to understand that the medallion is even more powerful, and he loves it. But could the medallion's revealing power become more dangerous than he thinks?
1: You know i didn't notice the weird thing in that summary there when it says sam realizes that the legends might actually be true when there's no previous legends referenced here so you're kind of just throwing it that's just one of those like yeah, the summary, minor summary's not great yeah writing mistakes that are still part of sophia should we say sophia or gloria now <laughs>
0: I mean, it's obviously Gloria Tesh, like yeah. the acknowledgement page, the illustration credit and the author photo all betray that Sofia Nova is Gloria <laughs> yeah. Tesh immediately. So, so it's not really a I don't I mean, I think that it honestly, I think it was a smart move because her dad is dead now and can't touch any of her work and make it weirder. So it probably was a good idea for her to rebrand with a different name.
1: I'm in agreement, honestly.
0: Yeah. Um although I yeah, I do think she could have probably done a better job of maybe masking the fact that she's actually Laura Tesh, but um I, I think that it's it's honestly just a surface, you know, a surface level um attempt. And, and and for something like this it would work because if you see this book on Amazon or on a bookshelf somewhere you don't look at it and immediately think it's anything related to Maradonia, you know, and no one's gonna. If for I, some I reason
1: you, you're knowledgeable of Maradonia, which is yeah. an extremely slim amount of people out there.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, I just, yeah, I don't, I don't think that anyone picking this up would have any idea, you know. So unless, yeah, like Chris said, unless you're one of a one of the the privileged few <laughs> inducted into the fucking halls of Maradonia fame over here. Um, <laughs> but anyway um our characters and setting. so our characters are sam lawrence he's our main boy uh we've got his friend ethan his friend alex uh his sister leah his mom and dad uh mr and mrs fisher who are alex's parents marcus julia and mr brown and then of course aurelia the mermaid uh i think those are all the important ones yeah you know um
1: Reasonable enough cast for what you'd expect out of a book like this. Um, Paris, yeah. do you think I should do the thing where I say what I think this book is out front? No, or? No, no,
0: no, no, no. I think we should wait till the end. Okay. Um, <laughs> All
1: right. But uh,
0: so, so you know how we usually like to start off with characters and setting. But um, so the setting is the town of Moon Lake, but you don't actually find out where that town is until page two hundred and five. <laughs> I you uh, really have to know. oh uh, yeah. I think, I think. I think.
1: You enjoy The Simpsons plenty without knowing what state Springfield's
0: in. Yeah, but The Simpsons is good. Like, I need, <laughs> okay, well, I need something. Well, to be, I need the lines to be colored in for me in this fucking shit. Paris can. Before we get into the rest,
1: like, I, I really, at least up front, I want to say that this is an improvement from Gloria.
0: Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, this, this is, is definitely a definite an improvement.
1: improvement from Gloria. It's better than Maradonia in a few, a, a lot of ways. I would say.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. It's just.
1: I don't. Who is this targeted towards? I have to ask because we're a little unsure of that. And I will say, if you are targeting, like let's say uh, a fifth to seventh grader reading age, this might be fine.
0: I mean, it's got some serious uh, continuity and plot issues, but the overall concept and basic structure, yeah, it's like a. Well, actually. Why don't you tell people how you, yeah just, fuck it.
1: Okay, Paris, it's a goosebumps book. It's yeah, like it's, it's like a the it, budgety goosebumps my, book. My my
0: description is it's uh it's it, it's like you go to building 19 and you're like, "Oh man, goosebumps, but they're different colors." Then you get closer to the table and it's like, "Oh, flesh lumps. This is what I want."
1: <laughs> <laughs> Duck warts. Oh.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's If you
1: it's, don't know what building 19 is by the way, it's like a uh, what's the best way to describe it, Paris? A weird
0: it, discount warehouse that's sure. very popular in New England. Um, sure, yeah.
1: It's your, it's your outlet store. It's
0: a weird... But it's, like, really quirky. Like, there was always a pot of burned coffee that you could just have when
1: you <laughs> <laughs> in Take the it
2: with store. you.
0: Um, you could also <laughs> buy Christmas trees there that were sketchy. Um, they would just... It, it's one of those places, like, if you know what Ocean State Job Lot is, or... Um oh that's also a regional thing. God fucking damn it. I've lived in New England for too long. Um
1: It it's an it's an outlet warehouse with just like random crap everywhere. That, yeah, like, like things, more random than you would expect.
0: Yeah, so for example, I remember uh the year after the so the Patriots the Patriots the football, the American hand egg passing game, um <laughs> football. They they had won the Super Bowl, is that right? <laughs> yes. They yeah, won the Super that's Bowl. what they win right and the year a year later or i think it was a year later i remember going into that store and there was just literally tables that were piled with mountains of framed patriots player pictures (laughs) (laughs) because like they clearly produced way too many of them and and thought people would really so it's kind of like where retail junk goes to die yeah but but if you were poor as a child in the 90s you could get some sick computer games and like books from there oh yeah yeah
1: like that that's it it's a you say where they go to die, it's more like the shelter where it might get euthanized later, but you can <laughs> adopt it. If you...
0: Oh my god, I think that's the funniest thing you've said in a really long time.
1: Yeah, dark too, so. <laughs> Fuck.
0: Okay, well we don't have to we can we can come off this this memory lane that goes to building 19 and just reel it on back. Yeah, that's Um, some
1: like small town—not a small town. It's a a Boston thing. It's a New England, like you know, like local thing. Like this book feels like because it's in any—it's in Moon Lake, Maine, apparently. With that's—it's basically any small town, USA is where this is set.
0: Uh, Yeah, with lakes that connect to the ocean. Um, I just thought it was funny that we didn't find out it was Maine until page two hundred (laughs) and five. Yeah. All right, so yeah. Overall, it's an improvement, but there's still a lot of weird shit going on. So,
1: start at the top. Um, Sam, yeah, out. It, it starts like any normal book would, with, like, Sam woke up ready to go for his day, and he ran out the door before he even got a mouthful of breakfast to go fishing with his friend, Ethan.
0: He loves fishing. Fishing's great. Um, he thinks that catching the big fish will make a girl like him, and will also make him a real man. And I thought that was real. Those two sentiments were real weird um I don't know are those things a 14 year old would think Uh, you know when you're a
1: 14 year old boy you really do want to prove yourself to girls but I don't know if I'd have the conscious thought this will make me a real man when I'm trying like I would definitely like post my cool fish or something I mean posting things on the internet wasn't really a thing as much when I was 14 it wasn't a way but you had to like get to a computer and you couldn't just do it with your phone yeah you had to wait um anyway uh (laughs) You might, you know, post it on your MySpace that you got a real big fish and hope that Ashley, you know, messages you about it, but uh, make you a real man is a stretch.
0: Yeah, it seemed a little weird, but I guess like you said, you know, if for kids, you know, t- young teens and kids, maybe maybe that makes sense. Uh, so, yeah, so um, he goes down to fish with his friend at the, at Moon Lake, and um, they mention that the other side of Moon Lake is the quote-unquote creepy side, and... um while they're fishing a huge storm starts like like out of nowhere it's just pouring buckets and the wind picks up and it's very scary he falls into the lake um and decides to surrender to the strong current <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and i and i wrote that was my clue that the lake had to be connected to the ocean somehow because like a strong river or the ocean because if it was just like a I don't know I feel like a, a like really still lake a, a still su-
1: water lake would not have a current
0: yeah but I mean I this one it makes sense because you then find out that it's connected to the ocean or whatever but yeah anyway um yeah surrendering to a strong current sure seems like a fast track to death rather than surviving but all right I don't know. Um, do, you, do either of us have lifeguard training maybe
1: that is how you let things ha- I don't know
0: well because she was like oh he surrendered to the strong current and it took him to shore and I was like I don't know <laughs>
1: at least like swim with it right like if you yeah. want to get to shore faster
0: yeah he just he just floated uh and it, again this is during a serious storm so it's not like it's not like it was a a casual thing you yeah know? also his
1: friend ethan just fucks off and like i think he he makes a point to check if sam got home with his mom or something but it's not like he sticks around or like raises an alarm when Sam isn't there. He just like asks his mom, like, hey, did Sam come back yet? And she's like, nah. And like, Ethan yeah, goes so home. Somehow, so. Yeah,
0: somehow his friend disappears while there's a storm on the lake and Ethan just yells a couple times then leaves. And it's like, wh- what? Wouldn't you call someone because your friend is probably drowning? He went to, you know, Sam's mom and he was like, hey, did Sam get back? And but that like, was no. it. He yeah. didn't, <laughs> didn't tell him, hey, your son's probably drowning in a yeah, lake. Yeah, uh, Alright, well, <laughs> Shit. Yeah, that was odd. Um, I, and I know the text specifically says that Sam thinks to himself or says out loud, Oh, no, Ethan probably didn't see me fall in the lake. But one, that's not a thing you would say out loud while you're yeah, that's trying a to survive.
1: In this book, um, where like things that might be better as a thought are just said out loud instead.
0: Yeah. And like, secondly, I don't think that your friend could have missed you falling in the lake. And even if he did wouldn't he instinctively think, oh, no, maybe he fell into the lake because there's a huge storm and we were both just standing on the edge of the lake? Uh, And and he's like,
1: oh, I know Sam's a bitch. He probably ran away immediately.
0: But they were standing right next to each other. I don't understand (laughs) how this is possible. (laughs) Ah!
1: He has really bad eyesight like me. Even I would still notice someone, you know, falling in the lake probably if I was standing right next to them.
0: Yeah. Um, So that's a thing. And then... uh, they what happened so he surrenders he, to the current and survives he gets onto
1: the creepy side of the lake and he yep. finds a little hut or like a lean-to thing yep with a boat in it that's covered by moss and grass that looks untouched for a while um and he decides to uh, Investigate the area a little bit more and he finds this mysterious medallion which has a lot of fun colors in it and it looks like, you know, it's moving in the middle. I think it's supposed to have like a mirror
0: in the middle? No, it's supposed to have a, it has a purple, green, and blue like iridescent stones and the there's like a ripple effect when you look at it, like water, I guess. Um, yeah. So he finds this magical medallion and he hears he's like oh man this is so cool you know of course and he keeps it and he hears some people coming and he's like oh who are they <clears throat> you know because he's on the creepy side of the lake um and it turns out it's just uh the sheriff the, the sheriff she- yeah uh i forget because his dad's also a cop but i forget what what rank he is anyway the guy a who's a cop or something yeah the guy who's a cop but not his dad shows up <laughs> so cop not a dad shows up <laughs> and he brings along with him this quote-unquote weird scientist guy who they and they're like oh we're investigating the weird sounds on the lake and sam's like oh yeah i heard you know i heard i think because i think he heard them during the storm right or maybe i'm misremembering that but um then they start talking about how there's this horrible screeching sound that's been coming from the lake and they're trying to figure out what it is. So this weird scientist is like some kind of specialist here to help investigate the sounds, so they can stop it because it's really freaking people out. Um he then, you know, goes home. They they drop him off home. Um he tells them, you know, about the storm or whatever. And as he gets home, it's definitely nighttime. Yeah, I it's think the evening. determine that it's evening. Um and Chris Chris has a lovely note about this. Um so as Sam arrives home, He discovers that a family is moving in next door.
1: It seems like they just pull in at the same time that Sam is dropped off or gets or like shortly after he gets home because there's a whole scene with like his sister Leah being introduced and she's kind of like, not like she's a little sarcastic towards him, but she's generally fine towards Sam. They have a, you know, fine sibling relationship that might be a little bit testy at moments, but in a fairly reasonable sibling-ish way. Yeah. She seems to care for him. Yada yada, that's a little bit bored later. Anyway, after that whole thing, a, a family is moving in next door in the, like, in the evening time, and then there, when Sam and Leah go to look and see who steps out, oh, there's a, a mom, and there's a, a young boy around Sam's age. And there's a, a, an older boy who's probably the brother. And then there's the weird scientist guy also getting out of the moving van who was the guy at the lake. So this leads yeah. me to think.
0: <laughs> the timeline is, yeah.
1: At some point, it, it, yeah, the dad was at the lake hunting. They were headed into the town. Scientist dad is like, hold up. Gotta check in with the lake and the police immediately as soon as we enter the border of the town. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, he tucks and rolls out of the moving van.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Or, or like, he parks the van next to the lake and, like, makes his family wait while he just goes and does, like, a a cursory sweep of the woods around this lake for God knows how long. (laughs) And then after that, they come back and move in after
0: that? Yeah, um, and the the fun part about this is, as they're moving things in, Sam is across the street in his house it's evening, so it's darker out. You know, it's not pitch black, I don't think at this point. or maybe, maybe it is also it's
1: raining because it's a raining. Storm.
0: right, it's raining. And he can see from across the street that they are moving in large watercolors and oil paintings of like dragons and stuff in these, <laughs> in these fancy frames, and I'm like what are you fucking doing moving paintings like that without having them covered and protected? In the rain. In, in the rain at night.
1: Pouring rain. Yeah. No. Um. <laughs> They're just like one big LARPing family. Like they all take part in like constants. D adventures where they have giant paintings for atmosphere
0: well i mean that it's fine if they have those paintings it just didn't make sense that he could see them at that moment in time and also recognize whether they are oil or watercolor is <laughs> sam a 14 year old art enthusiast like yeah man um so that was that was like so right at the beginning you're like okay things are still a little fucking weird in this book um and then does he go over to meet them right away like
1: yeah, he basically right, yeah. just strolls up because he like he notices the kid that's his age and like, there's a person I can make a friend with, which like I guess reasonable. Yeah, him. yeah. I, I would have d- been like scared out of my ass to do that, but that's me as a socially awkward person.
0: Yeah, I think I think a lot of kids in kind of like small town America would be totally they would feel totally fine doing that. Uh but yeah, he walks in and like immediately, yeah, Chris, this is your note, so I won't steal your thunder if you want to talk about the lab.
1: Okay, so he introduces himself to Alex, who is the, the, the younger boy there, who, like, seems a little quirky and, like, very stuffy almost. He, he talks about how proper Alex speaks all the time, and it's, like, kind of clear that he's not from the U.S. in some way. Yep. Um, and then he he meets the mom, who seems like he describes as a hippie immediately, because she's got, like, some necklaces on and, like, hoop earrings, which I guess makes her a hippie or something. <laughs> and, oh, well,
0: we'll, we'll ta- yeah, I'll talk about that in a-
1: um, and Later. then, like, Alex invites them into the house. I forget why Alex like, is like, yeah, come on in. Or, like, he offers to help move stuff in. Except that uh, when he's moving the stuff in, the dad is weird again, obviously because he just saw this kid at the lake, maybe. But also Sam peers into this one room in the house, which he describes as being filled with weird monitors and equipment that makes it look like a lab. And I'm like, wait a minute. They just pulled up. In the car, in the van, and he's already got the lab set up in there? Like, when 15 minutes have passed and he has only taken the paintings out of the van, as far as I know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess it's possible that maybe... Maybe some of that was set up before, but it definitely seems like the text definitely makes it feel like they just got there, like you said, and just started moving in. So yeah, this I don't is know. just
1: indicative of like some of the quality things here that are still a little bit fuzzy w- w- with Gloria here, where it it should be much clearer as to when they moved in, or you could even just add a line where the mom or Leah is like, "Yeah, I saw them here yesterday too."
0: Yeah, and um. Then, you know, as as we start learning more about the family, that the Fishers, who, you know, Alex Fisher and his parents and his brother Marcus. Um <clears throat> honestly, probably my favorite line in the book. Uh when Sam is meeting Marcus, the older brother who is I think maybe 18 or something. He says, "I am a popular DJ in Romania." <laughs> which is
1: "Would you like to listen to my music track?" I which I think uh, he also says
0: good fucking lord um, which is
1: just a pretty I mean come on Paris you know there was some dude that used this line on Gloria before right
0: oh absolutely that's
1: yeah. 100% a line that got used
0: on. I am a popular DJ in Romania the most amazing sentence in this book so far <laughs> just so good um, so somehow this teenager is a I don't know, popular DJ in Romania, which also seems kind of weird. But I, mean, I don't it's know, possible maybe there's
1: plenty of like. You know, Medean was a guy that got popular when he was like, I don't know, seventeen.
0: Mm. No, I know it's pop. I know it's possible. It's just you know, again, it's like really. Um, and then they they uh, I think he asks he asks Alex, you know, after he says, "Oh, I'm popular DJ in Romania," he's like, "Oh, so you know, is that where you're from?" And they're like, "Yeah, we're half Romanian, half Scandinavian." Which is just not a way you would self-describe. Scandinavia is a, is a group of countries. You would say you were from a certain country. You would say you were from Denmark, Norway, or Sweden. Um, you wouldn't just say Scandinavian. Unless you were intentionally trying to be vague. Which yeah. Which I don't understand why you would. Um, so that's weird. There's a lot of things in
1: here that's like, yeah, we're from Scandinavia in general. When like I know for I know definitely some people from Norway that are like, fuck the Finnish, or you know, like, well, Finns little...
0: fin, aren't technically Scandinavian. That's what um, I mean. It's like, yeah, dude, but I know people... a lot of people can a lot of people include Finland and Iceland in Scandinavia, but te- technically um, it's, you know, just the three main Scandi countries there. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the
1: other thing is I believe, like, it's very unspecific because some Scandinavian stuff comes into play later and it's very unspecific oh, about yeah. whether it's from Norway or Sweden. Oh, oh
0: don't you worry. I, I've, I've cooked up quite a bit to talk about my favorite part of the world. Paris came so. prepared
1: to this episode, you guys. She came <laughs> extremely prepared.
0: Yeah. I mean, we already know that, you know, I love love my Norway. So, uh, you know, had to, had to get in there. Uh, but anyway... anyway the how-
1: Scandinavian family is moving in next door. Sam takes makes a point to introduce himself to, to Alex and he's like, oh, we're going to, you know, I'll see you in school tomorrow probably. And then we essentially cut to the next day in school where Sam rolls up and he like his friend Ethan. Ethan's like, oh, wh- what happened? Where'd you go, man? And I i can't believe Sam was like, what the fuck, dude? I was dying.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you fucking abandoned me to drown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, where was that?
1: Instead, we get this scene that sort of sets up that there's this group of girls at the school. One of them, Jessica, is a girl that Sam likes but Ethan hates because Jessica's kind of shitty to him. But Ethan likes Jessica's friend Brianna, I believe.
0: Yeah, I think so. Whatever. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> the only matter. thing that happens
1: in terms of that plot point is like Ethan throws a chocolate bar at her head, that's and it the, gets
0: stuck in her hair. <laughs> that's
1: that's how he expresses his interest.
0: I don't know if that's a thing fourteen year olds would do. That's it's been like a, a long seven time
1: since... year old. That's a seven year old way to express interest. I think.
0: Yeah, if you're fourteen, like. 14-year-olds are already fucking each other like I don't yeah, think
1: you're- <laughs> you you probably know not to throw a chocolate bar at her head like a, get- like a half
0: eaten wet chocolate bar
1: <laughs> yeah not just fresh <laughs> and new like he was giving her a new one he had been eating it
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: and he decides fuck this yeah, I know I, I have a better idea
0: so again this is like another entry in the list of things that are just kind of off about this book um,
1: Did someone throw a chocolate bar at Gloria's head?
0: Maybe. I <laughs> uh, probably not. I, mean,
1: I just keep ascribing things to like, yeah, she can. She has the capacity to make shit up like this. Oh, of course, saying it has to have happened to her.
0: Um, yeah, and then there's like there's like a news report. It cuts briefly to a news report where a reporter is talking about the the horrible screeching sounds, and he refers to, or he or she I can't remember if it was a I, I don't know it it gives it genders the reporter I can't remember what it is right now. Anyway, the reporter. They say that the sounds are a, an eerie epidemic. And I was like, I don't think a reporter would refer to sounds as an epidemic. I don't know. It <laughs> yeah, just seems well, weird. I'm, yeah, it's not it's the like right not word
1: for that. Also, not- while we're on the subject of weird things to call screeches, <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, this is a kind of a thing in this town where people have claimed to have heard this before. Back in the day, people used to call it the yearning. with like a capital Y in there yeah, like they y- named yeah. it like some shitty alt rock band or something oh that's-
0: oh yeah the yearning
1: now on Twitter w- muse
0: yeah <laughs> why, I- why <laughs> would
1: th- i'm i'm speaking as someone that has a project called urine by the way so you know i'm not free of this anyway um <laughs> it, it seems like like why would people in the town give it that name wouldn't they just call it the screeches
0: well and second- weird fucking
1: animal towns
0: <clears throat> right because and that's that's the other the other part of this is that um, yeah, several people in the book say, oh, it's probably just an animal. Um, and then the third part is that sometimes the book speaks of the sounds as though no one has any idea what they are and has never heard them before. But then, as Chris just mentioned, it's like, oh, yeah, this has happened before. So I don't like which one is it? Cho- I think choose one.
1: I think it's like the younger people in town haven't heard this before.
0: Yeah, but it, it certainly doesn't make that clear.
1: Yeah, um, it, it does not. And anyway, it also seems to radiate throughout the whole town. I guess I, I know it's a small town and like, you know, sounds can carry, especially loud screeches like that. But there's a point there's a separate school incident later. I don't know if I should get to this now because oh, we,
0: we also kind of forgot to talk about him meeting Aurelia for the first time.
1: Did that already happen? I thought that happens the day like after he goes to school for the first time with this whole Jessica Ethan. Th- oh,
0: thing. I, maybe, maybe you're then right. Then he I, goes I,
1: back to the lake.
0: Yeah, because he feels the medallion pulling him back to the lake. Yeah. So he goes back, and that's where he fucking meets this mermaid, right? Yeah. So there's a mermaid. What's up? Uh, her name's Aurelia. And um, this is uh one of my... So I have a list here of continuity issues slash weird glaring problems. Uh, and this is a big one. So he meets Aurelia. And of course, she's this gorgeous stereotypical mermaid. You know, she's got slightly bluish green skin, long silvery hair, long blue fingernails. She's so beautiful. Oh my god, she's sixteen and blah blah The blah, most blah. beautiful thing Sam has ever uh, et cetera, seen. Et cetera. Ever. <clears throat> ever, ever, ever. Um, so you know, I get it. A fourteen year old boy, mini a mermaid, yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be and a little she, She's also
1: wearing like barnacle bra too, I think, which of uh, course yeah.
0: I don't know if they describe that but probably I mean she, no yeah there's
1: away. definitely a part where it mentions like and she's wearing a bra made of like I think it was it might have even oh, been seashells or something
0: you're, no you're right it was like a seaweed top or something yeah yeah, yeah.
1: You're <laughs> so I mean there's also a scene later where like, Sam sees her cleavage and passes the fuck out entirely <laughs> like thats I a, mean, that's a chapter Ender right
0: all right Chris <laughs> as a 14 year former 14 year old boy yourself, does that seem plausible? It seems plausible to me. Passing out is a little strong. More like have a lot of trouble
1: pulling my eyes away from and seeming like a creep is more
0: reasonable. Okay, all right, fair.
1: Um, but passing out is like... <laughs> that's like an anime thing, man. Which, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that rears its head in a moment, too. So
0: um. So anyway, yeah, he feels pulled towards the lake. Uh, P.S., there's also a scene where it... um suggests that the that when sam wears the medallion or touches it it gives him enhanced strength aggression um drive you know so it affects he's, him
1: he's playing a soccer game with alex and ethan and like these two other random boys that they have a big enough yard to play soccer in and like he puts the medallion on when he feels tired and then he's like Super pumped up, like power thirst style. Yeah, he's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna
0: fucking school the ghouls!" And, and like, he like,
1: <laughs> beats the soccer ball into the face of like Alex. I'm pretty sure. Yes,
0: yeah, and then and then it ricochets and breaks the window on the house of old Mister Brown. Uh, but before we get too far, I sorry, I realized we strayed yeah. from my point. When he meets Aurelia, she tells him she's three hundred years old. Uh, this is going to we're gonna we're gonna um. Check that math in a few minutes. Uh, So she's 300 years old. Remember, the mermaid, 300. So they break the window of Mr. Brown, um, and they all run away and decide no one's going to take responsibility for it, even though it's obviously Sam's fault. Mr. Brown shows up at Sam's house, you know, and is like, hey, I know, basically, he's in a very gentle way. Is like, yeah, I know it was you, whatever. Eventually gets it out of him, and Sam agrees to, like, work off his debt to Get, fix the window. Th- this is a good point to bring up.
1: Yes, yes Mr. it Brown is. here. Oh um, boy. He does not just show up and say like, hey, like a normal person, hey, I know you broke my window. He is of Native American descent and boy, does Gloria have to let you know through the way he speaks.
0: Oh yeah, this shit sucks. Like, this is the point in the book where I was like, this is terrible. Like, this is definitely one of the things that would need to be changed for the book to be uh, readable. Yeah, th- there's this whole like, Of course, this is technically your note, but I had the same thought. Like, noble, savage shit where, you know, um, he has a feathered staff... He calls Sam young warrior. He literally has a hawk that he can communicate with. He can see (laughs) into time. Like, it's just, it's just so awful. showing up
1: with the feathered staff at the door is, like, way beyond the pale, I think. Like, who's coming out? Like, what old, maybe if you're like, oh, it's his, like, walking stick, but I don't think it's described as such. And it would still just be a regular old walk-and-stick like you would get from the hospital or something, probably not like my ancient Native American artifact or something. I don't know.
0: Yeah, and and so that sucks. So every time Mr. Brown is in a scene, he is the noble, savage, sage grandpa, Wizened, you know?
1: old Native American type who's got the communication with the spirits and stories to tell you.
0: Yeah, and so he's like, I have to tell you this because I'm going to die soon. And my qu- that's what he says to Sam. And my question is... Why would Mr. Brown want to tell a shitty 14-year-old this important arcane knowledge? Um, and Why?
1: Like, because he broke the window? Like, because you had the courage to break my window?
0: No, like, the only explanation I have is that Mr. Brown clearly fucking knows everything, as is demonstrated in the text numerous times, that he can, like, kind of read minds or at least is really, I don't know, really good at picking up on social cues and lying. And so he probably, my only guess is that he knows Sam has the medallion and has met the mermaid somehow. And that's why he tells him this. But he's like, "Oh, I have to tell someone, and you're gonna—you're very special, so I have to tell you." Um, and he tells him the story <clears throat> of the secret of Moon Lake. Here's the the eponymous secret. He tells him that one thousand years ago, um, a Viking uh king named Gerald came and settled Moon Lake, and. When Gerald was about to come over here from Norway, he specifically says he's Norwegian, he says that Gerald wanted a wife to help him rule, and so he rounded up all the beautiful women in Norway and chose the most beautiful one. But uh, her name was Aurelia, and she was already in love with Christian, who is a soldier in Gerald's army, but of course Gerald doesn't care. Um, So he takes Aurelia with him. And for some reason, Christian also comes along on this journey, which seems he's a like general a general ba- in the army. No, he's a soldier.
1: Yeah, but you know, he's all, he got selected, I guess.
0: But like, you know, you could probably swap yeah, the, him out. The, you know, the, like,
1: yeah, the king has the authority. to Be like, you stay back. Yeah, I'm gonna, like take your girlfriend over to America.
0: Yeah, maybe don't take your girlfriend's boyfriend. Uh, you know, <laughs> with you. Uh, so
1: maybe he's the type that likes that. Yeah, mm. No,
0: no, clearly not. So they get he, they get to North America. And, um, or, or actually, no, so there's there's a um, there's a wise woman, or, you know, for lack of a witch, however you want to say, uh, on the ship, and Aurelia talks to her about getting some help, and the witch says, yeah, I got you, I got you, girl, don't worry. I'm gonna give you this amulet, you wear it, you do, you know, do this thing, and, um, you know, within so many days, you, you know, you and Christian will be able to be together, you'll be free of the king. So... Uh, turns out she got tricked and gets turned into a mermaid because <laughs> the witch The witch was under the employ of Gerald, and when, you know, obviously when she was like, hey, I want to get out of this marriage, the witch told Gerald, and Gerald was like, alright, we're gonna fucking ruin her life then. So, they turn her into a mermaid, and she ends up being trapped in Moon Lake as a mermaid. Uh, so, there are some things. Okay, so, to be clear, clear, like, clearly, king gerald is based on either eric Thorvaldson, who is eric the red or his son Leif Erikson. you know i think that's pretty clear um around a thousand years ago is, is the right timeline for you know viking settlement or not settlement but viking brief discovery of north america um there's really only one uh settlement that was ever proven to truly be um you know from vikings and that's that's up in um uh, pff, not Nova Scotia. New- shit. Why can't not New Newfoundland? Newfoundland. Sorry, Newfoundland. Jesus Christ. Why couldn't I remember that? Um, there's a settlement, in Newfoundland. That's the only one that's been archaeologically and scientifically kind of proven. You know. Um, but but like I still think it's okay in in sort of a taking yeah. something historical and saying yeah. hey, because because there are um so the one in Newfoundland, they're pretty sure that's like one of the uh the places talked about in some of the sagas and there are two other ones that have never been confirmed and one of them is called markland and that of course was that was uh, described as being uh much more southern than this area of newfoundland so like it could be maine sure theoretically yeah sure, right like it's totally possible yeah invisible. totally totally fine like obviously this is not real but i think if you're writing historical fiction that's totally acceptable um but you know, unfortunately it does it does kind of dip into the like, oh, they wore horned helmets and they had big double sided axes and like you know, they didn't have horned helmets. Cartoon they didn't have Viking description. Yeah. yeah, which is not real. I mean, <clears throat> the whole horned helmets thing is like a pretty common um uh like myth that people peddle about uh Viking you know, but um
1: Viking aesthetic. Uh, Are you ready for yeah. Viking Punk in ten years, Paris? And we all like that's like the look. <laughs>
0: Um but so like there there have been no um no helmets discovered of that era with horns on them. Um there there are like ceremonial helmets with some horned parts and there are certainly horned helmets from other civilizations that Vikings traded with but like they, yeah. So anyway, I'm not going to talk about hats for much yeah. longer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's a dumb, cartoonish depiction that isn't accurate. Moving is,
1: on, is that fine? Well, here's the, the, before we move on, is that fine for a book that might be for kids? Probably not, because we want to educate the kids on some more yeah. realistic shit than that, right? Yeah, like,
0: exactly. Like I, I think that. It's okay to have this, like, historical fiction, but I just think that there should have been more context. And also, yeah, don't don't keep perpetuating these, like, dumb things that are obviously Especially to kids, right? Yeah, like- right. Exactly. And so, anyway, that's all fine. A thousand years ago. Okay, let's do some math. All right. All right, TV solicitors. Is 300 the same as 1,000? <laughs> because... Well, they, well, they got...
1: Well, so 300 has two zeros in the number three, but 1,000 has three zeros. (laughs) Yeah. So, mostly (laughs) the same.
0: So, there's this fucking obvious huge glaring error, right? Um, Aurelia says multiple times throughout the book that she is 300 years old, yet obviously this this whole fantasy viking settlement thing happened a thousand about a thousand years ago so i don't really know how this was edited and no one noticed this
1: paris paris you're going to believe what the pedophile mermaid says her age is
0: i don't know like does it matter 300 (laughs) a thousand like she's like
1: one of the dudes to catch a predator that's like i'm 30 when he's 50.
0: Oh my Except God! On you're an right. Order
1: of magnitude oh, my, wider.
0: oh my God! You're right. She does fit the description, <laughs> hey, dude. That's exactly uh, what this is.
1: I'm only three hundred. It's not dude, that bad,
0: dude. Chris and I both had the same thought about how this mermaid is a pedophile.
1: Because that um, we might as well get to the next scene when uh, when Alex returns to not Alex when Sam returns to the lake.
0: Yes. Um. So he returns to the lake. She she kisses him.
1: They go oh, really? underwater.
0: She kisses him to give him the ability. Excuse me, the ability to see and breathe underwater. Somehow you can get that just through a quick spit swap. Yeah, first, she uh, just
1: pulls him underwater, and he's like, kind of like, "Hey, I need to breathe." And then, like, she kisses him a couple times while he has his like mouth closed, which I guess that's how you do it underwater, unless you want a mouthful of lake water. But uh, then after that, he realizes that he can breathe. I forget exactly what causes him to, like, take a gulp finally, but apparently, yeah, if you make out with a mermaid, you can breathe underwater for... I, maybe? In, it's not indefinite, right?
0: No, because she seems she then has to do it again when um, he surfaces and breathes air. When they go back, she has to do it one more time. So it seems like it only works until you breathe air again.
1: Yeah, and so she takes him to the lake and there's, like, a cave system... Un, like I was confused as to where this cave would be underwater because like, the, the, the cave they swim up into, there's a whole, small hole they swim through, which is why it was so hidden. Fine, okay. But then they swim up above the water level where they're surrounded by land. Were there any hills outside the lake that would clue a geologist in?
0: Uh, I mean, there's plenty of underground structures that you can't detect visually above ground i mean i think I, but i i don't understand you know i'm not a fucking speluncologist or whatever <laughs> i don't i don't know anything about i'm caves. no lakeomancer
1: either so you yeah know.
0: i don't i don't know anything about caves so i guess anyone out there who's uh, a geologist i guess um let us know. Could you
1: miss a cave underwater that's above water level, or would there be some kind of, like, pocket in... It seems like they swim down, though, apparently. Well, yeah, like,
0: well, Chris, it's not But ab- It doesn't say that it's above water level. It's just a cave underground that has access to air. So it could, of course, be lower than ground level.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm confused about. Yeah, I didn't know yeah, if you have that's... a pocket of air where there's a lake above you.
0: Well, I think... I think if you... Well, I think that there can be if the cave is off to the side and you can access air through the... Like, there's shafts that go up to the earth. I mean, that happens. That seems pretty normal to me. Wouldn't so. the lake water eventually pump in there, though? No, 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 because the... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, Chris, it's fine. Chris, it's fine. Let okay, it go. It's right. fine. Yeah, there's I'm nothing just, wrong with right, because... I'm just trying to learn
1: about lakes and caves. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. So, anyway, they get in there, and when they surface in the in this underwater cave... You know, um, there's a fucking Viking ship in there. Yeah, that's the other thing, Paris. It's like an enormous cave. It's not like yeah. a small alcove. It's like well, a, it's I, got a ship in there. Well, yeah, but my question is like, well, actually, you're, we both had the same question, was which was, how the fuck did you get a whole Viking longship in there? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like the lake
1: was different before, and like it originally was a big enough hole to get in there. But that makes it me feel like there would be still water in there then. I I don't
0: know, dude. Because, yeah, uh, because they have to swim through a very narrow... Well, Did Aurelia,
1: like, ship in a bottle it, like, piece by piece, like, reassemble the ship?
0: I mean, she's got... She had a thousand years, man. Like, (laughs) you gotta be bored, you know, so maybe. Because it it describes how they have to go through a very narrow tunnel that only... They can only fit in one at a time. um, And that uh, Sam can actually... Has to use his hands to grab the rocks on the sides to propel him forward. So, a ship ain't getting in there, you know? Uh, And there's no other entrance or exit. It's clear about that. So, how did that ship get in
1: there? (laughs) Yeah, it must have been just... I think you're right. Yeah,
0: I think she was just super bored for a thousand years. She had
1: had nowhere else to go. I don't also don't get why she's trapped in the lake. Was that part of the magic medallion thing where she can't go to the ocean or whatever?
0: That's a great question. (laughs) 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 <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> as far as I know, the medallion only ter- trapped her as a mermaid. Like turned her into finfolk. That's the only thing I know.
1: Yeah, I don't um, I don't remember a part where it's like and then you also can't go to the ocean or any other body of water. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's a real big hole in that story. Uh, yeah. And then, so, you know, moving on, continuing our journey here, uh she Sam basically so seduces excited. Yeah, she seduces Sam. And is like, ha, ha, I oh my god, Sam, you're so special, like a fucking predator, because she is. Yes, and she's like, oh my god, like you're the most specialist boy ever, and you're gonna help. I need your help, Sam. Like, you know, she does all her fucking bats her eyelashes and hair flips and all that shit. Leans forward kisses. so he
1: can see into the seaweed bra.
0: Yeah, he she kisses him again, and anyway, they they swim back out, and he comes up to the surface of the lake, and um, there's a line saying that uh. He puts his clothes back on. And I was like, hold up. This dude was naked the whole time? They didn't talk about that. Maybe he there just was... went down to his underwear? But there was no line about him taking his clothes off. Yeah, but I... then there's a line about him putting his clothes back on. And I was like, we didn't know his clothes were off, but okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, that that little things like that add up, Gloria, I gotta say.
0: <laughs> yeah. um, Yeah, and, you know, she's like, hey, um... I know I'm, I'm 300, but, you know, you need, I need you to help me. I need you to trust me. I mean, she's only known him for minutes, you know, at this point. No, this, um, is, her,
1: this is a second time back, so it's like a day.
0: Well, yeah, but they've only spent
1: Yeah, Yeah, in total, together. it's been a very yeah. short amount.
0: Right. Um, and so he goes back. She's like, you know, but you can't tell. And no one can know I'm here. She's super, super clear with that. She's like, you can't tell anyone. And anytime she suspects that he might have told someone, she freaks out. And she's like, no, you can't fucking tell anyone. Blah, blah, blah. Um, And then, let's see, what happens after this? Um, He goes back to hang out with Alex
1: and they're just like having a normal time. But he's just slowly getting more and more um, like into this medallion.
0: Right, right. Yep.
1: And then I think the next thing that happens is the lake party.
0: Yeah, yeah, so he is getting more and more into the medallion. The medallion keeps kind of affecting his behavior when he touches it or wears it. Um,
1: Oh, wait, there's the part where he sees uh, Alex's dad dragging a weird thing into the house. That's just a, Alex's dad is supposed to be super sinister at this point.
0: Yeah, he sees, or suspicious at the very least. So he sees Alex's dad in the middle of yet another storm dragging this, what he thinks is a big cage into the house. Um, and that's, that's like it. We just get like yeah. this little, you know, rear window shot of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, um, the school thing happens. Um, oh yeah. The
1: school thing. That's what that, yeah. That's before the party. Okay. Yeah. So Sam goes to school again the next day. Cause you're, you know, you, you go to school many times and, uh, <laughs> uh he, the, at, he plans to ask Jessica out once and for all, because like the, the medallions got him with the, the, the medallion juice. And he's super pumped up on his power thirst shit. He's like, yeah, I'm going to fucking ask Jessica out. No one's going to stop me this time. I'm just going to have the courage to do it. Um, And, like, I think Alex eggs him on a bit. And Ethan's like, no, don't, because he hates Jessica or
0: something. Yeah, I forget. The- yeah, there's some discrepancy there.
1: Yeah. but So Sam walks up to Jessica in the middle of an assent. No. He he sees Jessica at a school assembly that's happening. I think... What are the, what's the assembly discussing? Is it discussing the lake sounds? Am I wrong? No, it's not, right? It was for something else.
0: Uh, I honestly don't remember. It was just one of those details that I was like, this isn't important. I'm yeah, they,
1: they're having a school assembly. Jessica's sitting a few rows in front of Sam, and he, like, interacts with her briefly, and her friends are kind of, like, giggling at him. And then at the end of the assembly... Sam's like, I know how I, I will ask a girl out. I will march up onto the platform in the auditorium, and I will grab the mic, and I will ask her out over the PA system to in front of the whole school, which is just, like, kind of a shitty way to ask someone out, no matter how you slice it. Even if you think it's a romantic gesture, it's really putting someone on the spot there, which is super unfair in a situation like that. Yeah,
0: yeah. So... Her friend Jessica's friends basically force her to say no and embarrass him and then everyone is mad at him and they send him home.
1: But that's after the screeching starts up again, which they can hear inside the school in the auditorium.
0: Yes, and somehow they're like it was Sam, it's Sam's fault that they're he, screeching. I think it's supposed
1: to be like coming through the medallion. Oh, by the way, another detail, when Sam wears the medallion, he can understand Aurelia, but it's
0: she- Oh, that yeah, sorry, that's in my list of inconsistencies. I'll get to that in a second. Yeah,
1: so the it, it, it's Aurelia who's screeching all the time and when Sam gets the medallion, he can understand her voice. Anyway, somehow the screeching is coming into the school. I'm guessing through the medallion is the only reasonable explanation for this, even though it's never brought. It's just happening, and it's super loud at all times. And it stops when, like, Sam raises his hand.
0: I forget. He literally just,
1: like, raises his hand, and it stops. And then everyone immediately thinks that he was in control of it. Which is, like, a, a immediately super paranormal
0: conclusion to jump to. Yeah, and, like, the whole auditorium and all the teachers and stuff. And then he gets sent home for it. it just <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Like, Go none home. Of that. Stop making screech
1: sounds at the auditorium. It's very inappropriate, young man.
0: Yeah, and, like, if they really thought that, wouldn't they be like, all right, we're going to take you to the police because we think that, you know, the police have been trying to figure out where the screeching is coming from. And now we've figured it out, so... I don't know. Yeah, they, um, they just said, just
1: go home. Sleep it off. After that embarrassing yeah. display and you're screeching, we, we need to send you home. You can't be around the other kids.
0: Yeah, it's fucking weird. Um, That happens, and then is it the party? Wait, is Paris? That, that, what am I forgetting? <laughs> Before the party,
1: imagine being that parent that gets the phone call that your child is being sent home. First of all, because they made a fool of themselves in front of the whole school by asking a, a person out <laughs> on the auditorium, mic. But secondarily, because they were in control of a screeching sound that has been plaguing the entire town (laughs) for the past week.
0: Yeah, that'd be a little, that'd be an interesting phone call for sure.
1: I have to pick Sam up why?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no, I remember what happens next. Then he's so embarrassed, so he goes to see Aurelia. And um, he goes to see her again. And she's like it was me, you're the only one. That's when she's like, you're the only one who can understand me. You know, the screeching is just me trying to talk, but I'm cursed so that no one can understand it and people are afraid of it Wait, unless but, you have the medallion.
1: But but, but Sam heard of the yeah. screeching too.
0: Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> hang on, hang on. And so um, it's established again, so it's very clear that only by wearing the medallion can a human hear and understand Aurelia as speaking normally rather than this ear-piercing, painful screeching. So, why can, later in the book, why can he understand her without the medallion when he gives the medallion away to someone, which we'll talk about in a moment, and why can everyone understand her without the medallion all of a sudden at the end of the book in the final scene? Um, I, Once again, no, is, it, is
1: this supposed to be like she's lying?
0: No. I don't think so.
1: I don't think so. It's not really not presented as like that's why she... That's no, because
0: work- no, because that's how that's why Christian or whatever her original love. That's why they couldn't be reunited because she was turned into a mermaid, and when she tried to call to him, it was just the horrible screeching that scared him away. He could no longer understand her speech; it was part of the curse. So
1: okay, yeah, she's so, not lying about uh, it. All right, then yeah, that just <laughs> that just doesn't make sense at all.
0: Exactly, yeah, it's one of the many like inconsistencies that really should have been sorted out uh, before this was published. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um. So that happens, and Aurelia is like, trying to make him feel better after, you know, the embarrassing thing or whatever. Um, and she's like, well, I need your help. And she's like, you'll help me, right? And and he's like, yeah, of course. And, and he's, I don't know, he's, like, complaining. And she's like, well, I know what will make you feel better. Um, or, or, or I think... I think no, <laughs> no, I think the, the big bass, the fish that he wanted to catch at the beginning of the book...
1: Oh, yeah. Like,
0: jumps out of the lake... And like jumps up into the into the air and he's like, Oh, that's the fish I want to catch. And she's like, Oh, it's a it's a prehistoric fish. Let me just get it for you. And so she like whispers some shit and it just swims up and jumps out of the lake and lies there and waits for him to collect it. And I was like, Wow, way to ruin any sense of accomplishment this kid could have yeah. had by forcing the fish to surrender with magic. And then he's like, Oh man, this is so cool! I'm gonna take this fish to the party! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Check party out the big fish. fish, y'all. Party fish. The party fish sequence Sam in the was... house
1: and he got the big fish. <laughs>
0: oh my God, the party fish sequence <laughs> is so good. So so sorry, we keep talking about this party. So there's a party at one of the kids' houses that's like on the edge of the lake. And um, the girls are going, you know, his sister Leah and her friend Julia and I forget some other people. Marcus, and
1: big Romanian DJ. Big Romanian DJ is, is DJing.
0: Yes, he's DJing. Um, and... So they, you know, Sam's like meets up with Ethan and Alex and he has the fish and they're like, oh my God, it's big bass. And they're like walking to the party and he's just got this big ass fish over his shoulder like, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And then he like pisses someone off. Hey, the weirdo
1: that screeched at school earlier came here with a
0: fish. (laughs) Well, and then he pisses somebody off and I don't even remember how, but he gets it
1: it's some jock dude that he like yeah. hits with the fish accidentally i think
0: he gets he gets knocked out the fish falls to the floor and as he's getting into this fight you know he has the medallion with him so he's like you know really getting into it with these kids and then all of a sudden there's this prolonged screeching and all the windows break simultaneously in this house so everyone freaks out and runs away and you know this is this is a scary situation if you're a teenager and all I think if you're anyone, this is a scary situation where all of a sudden there's this ear-piercing screech and all the windows in a house break at the same time. Everyone is like, fuck, you know, running out. And I mean, um, okay. uh, <laughs> But you know what? But you know what? Before you run out of a building, don't forget to collect your prize fish. Yeah. Sam, <laughs> Sam, remember, oh, man, I got to take big bass and scoops up big bass and runs out with him.
1: <laughs> you got to have it. <laughs> you got to have it. Okay, but reasonably, Paris, imagine that you were just at school... And some kid had some, like, ear-piercing shriek that boomed throughout the whole auditorium and was able to shut it off. And you're just living with that knowledge. Then he shows up (laughs) at the party, gets real weird with one of your friends, who, like, he bumps into with this big fish that he brought for some reason. And then when he's threatened, the shrieking happens again, and it bursts all the windows in the house. I would immediately assume, oh, this is a telekinetic child that I must run away from. (laughs)
0: Yeah, like, at that point, I would maybe start connecting the paranormal dots, yeah. Um, so that happens and um, Leah is with her friend Julia and Julia well the book says uh, that not, not that she's been drinking you've drinking <laughs> and um, you've
1: drinking Julia yes, yes
0: you've drinking there's some weird typos in here not many to be fair not nearly as bad as Maradonia but a couple um, so Leah is with her friend Julia and they, dro- they drove here together Julia drove, us, drove them you know she's 16 just got her license and Julia's drunk and, you know, being peer pressured by cute boys, basically, is whats is what we're um, told. And Leah's like, you know, I, I don't want to stay. Because Julia's like, come on, I want to stay. Because she's going to hook up with this guy or whatever. And Leah's like, no, I want to go home. And so they get in the car and Julia drives drunk. And, like... She gets, what, a block down the street and crashes, and they get into, <laughs> they get into like, they get into a horrific accident. You're like, immediately. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, like... This
1: is a drunk-driving PSA from an after-school show if I ever saw one, like, as <laughs> soon as you step on the gas, another, oh. so someone's T-boning you or something.
0: Yeah, so, like, Julia is mostly fine and is able to crawl out of the car, but Leah is trapped inside the car and can't feel her legs. And at that moment, I knew that fish bitch was trying to swap bodies with Leah. Yeah, knew
2: it. I knew, yeah, it. That's I knew exactly,
1: it. Yeah. That's yep,
0: it. I knew it. I was like, yep that that was it all along. Because there's a couple of points where anytime Sam mentions his sister, Aurelia perks up, and she's like, oh, you have a sister? Is she pretty? Um, and you know, and then she gets into an accident where her she can't feel her legs, so like you know, duh. Um, Chris, you made a note about the newspaper. If you wanna, if you wanna,
1: uh, their dad, uh, Leah gets taken to the hospital obviously. Um, their parents are super worried, so Sam and Leah's dad, uh, he's reading the newspaper in the morning, Sam comes downstairs dejected because his sister's in the hospital, <laughs> and the, the newspaper is like, local teen gets in terrible car accident as, like, the headline. I, I'm trying to find, actually, the note here.
0: Well, I mean, I'm kind of fine with that. If it's a really small lake community in Maine, like, I can, I can see that. That seems pretty reasonable to me yeah so i don't know i'm kind of fine with that but anyway sam's obviously really distraught because he really loves his sister and um they go visit her in the hospital and she's actually doing okay they're like yeah she's you know she's pretty dinged up but no serious injuries you know we gotta keep her for a few days but she'll be okay um and i was like oh you know but then there's mention that she can see aurelia outside the window you know and yeah, Sam, I don't understand how
1: that works, by the way. Yeah, that, there's yeah. No reason for that to work because you're saying that the f- mermaid is like levitating or like astrally projecting yeah, to outside yeah. the window. Yeah, and,
0: astrally projecting is what it suggests because it says her spirit was there.
1: Yeah, and Leah is Sam's about to give Leah the medallion because Aurelia basically tells Sam, "Hey, give your sister the medallion." Well, this
0: is this is after this. He's like, yeah. He's like, oh, she's gonna be she's gonna be better. Whatever. Um, and, you know, the text says that she sees the. You know this figure outside but she's on, on a bunch of painkillers so they're like yeah whatever whatever she's just seeing stuff but sam knows he's like oh you know she, she's really that's weird um and then you know everything's gonna be cool and then like the next day or later that night after they leave um like the next sorry later that night she i don't know starts she just takes a turn for the worst like she has internal injuries. She's, you know, she's, like, literally dying and in the AC- ICU all of a sudden. Um, and you kind of understand that it's probably because of Aurelia, because it's kind of how they leave it, like...
1: Yeah, but how? You know,
0: but how? But, but how? Great, great question. But anyway, um you know the parents are distraught Sam's distraught so he goes to Aurelia and he's like please help me like what can you do and she's like oh I can help you just give her the medallion it'll totally fix her up and he's like oh my god you're my best friend you know and of course he goes and gives Leah the medallion it immediately cures her um but as days go by Leah starts acting very strangely um and as i said i was suspicious of this from the get um and you learn that it's like once every 100 years on the night of the full moon aurelia if aurelia can convince a human woman to put on the medallion and wear it for i, I don't know like 5 days come, i believe come down i forget what the, what it is but come down to the lake on the the night of the full moon then she can take over her body and that human woman then they, they basically swap places the human woman then becomes trapped as a mermaid in the lake um
1: I think they literally swap bodies. It's it's not yeah. like Aurelia like changes her body, and right? Then the, right. It's like literally she would take over Leah, and I guess Leah's mind would be no. It's not even that Leah's mind would be swapped because Aurelia has a part where she's like, oh yeah, Leah would be able to like kind of. It's like a, a Get Out kind of thing where it's like they're yes, in the sunken correct. place essentially. So it's spoilers I, I think,
0: for Get Out. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry.
1: I think the mermaid body would just, I don't know, flop dead like a fish and float to the top of the water?
0: Yeah, I guess I'm not really sure. Sh- yeah, because it would make more sense if they swapped consciousnesses or just literally swapped places. But yeah. that's not quite what happens, so that's also weird. Um, anyway, so Sam figures it out, confronts Aurelia about it. Um, and oh, then- why didn't he figure it out? Cause- fucking Mr. Brown told him about the medallion story, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. At the same time, Leah's in the hospital, Mr. Brown is also in the hospital, and yeah, and and then they, they figure out what's going on. Uh, he goes to the Fishers for help because he realizes that, like, Mr. Fisher pro- like, the Fishers are probably the last hope or whatever that knows something about this, so they form a plan um, to deal with this evil mermaid. Um, And I have some issues with their plan. So they're like, oh, she's an evil mermaid, you know. uh, And so we have to, in order to destroy her, we have to, the bewitched man has to stab her with silver while while someone recites this enchantment and also, the the girl with the medallion has to be nearby or something. It's, like, all these qualifiers, right? And, I don't know. It was, like, okay, so, Norse mermaids are a thing. Like, finfolk or, you know, shura or whatever. There's, like, a bunch of different names for what they are. But, um, obviously, they're a seafaring nation, so, you know, this is common. Um, but, like, if you're gonna cop this whole, like... Norse mermaid thing, maybe make it a little more consistent. I mean, obviously, it's fiction, so I guess do what you want. But in, like, typically in folklore about Finn folk, um, they love silver. They prize it over all else. So what you would do instead of stabbing them with silver, you would actually just give them a pile of silver and they would be like, oh, sick. This is great. Thanks. Like, I don't care about anything else. So it's kind of weird that they're I mean- like, Maybe
1: you could do something that's like, oh, they really want the silver, but you have a silver dagger and you get a cool action movie hero line. It's like, you want silver? Yeah, yeah. I got yeah. silver for you. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, and then they make that's this big thing. That's my stabbing
1: noise, by the way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then they make this big thing in the book about, oh, we need a solid silver Viking weapon. And it's like, Viking weapons were made of iron.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, need a, I need my plus two magical Viking axe, or else this isn't going to work, you guys. My attack yeah. bonus will be shit without it. L-
0: <laughs> like copper and silver was really just used as like inlay or accent. I mean, as far as you know, what I've read, like I'm not, I'm not an expert on any of this. Certainly, I'm not a fucking archaeologist or a historian. But like from what I've read, it just seems, it just seems like some. I guess my point is like. Why make these changes and take these liberties when, like, a perfect set of lore and history is already there for you? You know, like, why make these weird changes that kind of make it n- make less you sense? You gotta have magical you know?
1: metals, right? To make it a real fantasy story, magical metals, are a part of that.
0: But, like, it's already there. Like, they just like the silver. Just leave it that uh, Anyway. <laughs> anyway. But you make a good point. It could have, yeah, it definitely could have been the, you know, final scene in an action movie. You want silver? I got some <laughs> yeah. silver for you. <laughs> uh, you <know? laughs> exactly.
1: Your stabbing noise is a little bit longer than mine. Mine was short like, eh, eh,
0: Well, eh. you know, Chris, <laughs> the last episode we had so much practice with, eee! Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I really perfected that. Terrible um,
1: onomatopoeia club.
0: <laughs> um, And then there's, like, when they're in the Fisher's house and they're formulating the plan, Mr. Fisher's science dad is like, oh, I got this sick Viking X, and he's like, he just decides he wants to show off and destroys his own research computer <laughs> with the axe?
1: Smash. It's just the monitor, I think. I don't think it was like an iMac or something, but like, yeah, he's oh. just like, yo, yeah, you, you doubt how sharp this axe is? Check this shit out. Kablam! And like, destroys his own computer.
0: Yeah, and I was like, I hope all that shit was on an external and like, not on the actual <laughs> computer <laughs>
1: And Sam, even Uh, Sam, I think, is a little bit like, I don't think you have to go that far.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It just seems like such a, again, it's like such an odd thing to include that people wouldn't actually do. In a similar vein, earlier when
1: Sam is over at Alex's place, Mr. Fisher comes down from the upstairs landing by sliding (laughs) down the banister. Like a 10-year-old, and Sam is like, that's so cool. Oh, my <laughs> like, God. If you saw, like, a 50-year-old man sliding down a banister, even <laughs> as a kid, you'd probably be like, what is wrong with you?
0: Yeah, it, yeah that was odd. Um, So, we, we talked a little bit. So, anyway, there, I guess we can finish the plot and then talk about all the other shit that's wrong with the story. So, they formulate this plan to stab her with the silver thing while... Mrs. Fisher was chanting and they're all, I don't know, holding the hands or whatever and then shove her in the silver cage and um it takes them a while to succeed. There's a big showdown where Aurelia shows her true form, like the gross evil siren that she is. Um, You know, her her beauty was never real, of course, et cetera,
1: et cetera. Yeah, that's another um, thing that doesn't really get, like, explained a lot. It's just like, and she also had glamour magic.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's just kind of like surprise because uh, typically, you know mermaid's or sirens whatever. Well, yeah, lure that, you in with their song. Mermaid yeah. Shit, but I
1: just wish that there was some kind of mechanism here to explain like what kinds of powers should I expect from the magical mermaid?
0: Yeah. Um it's definitely kind of like a grab bag of stuff. Um So they there's like a lot of struggling um they're, you know, they they have this big fight, this big showdown on the lake, um which was fine. They eventually you know, they eventually get her in the cage or whatever. Um uh, but then she gets out of the cage because she bewitches someone, and then she, everything explodes. I, I forget.
1: It's Ethan. She, like, momentarily, like, hypnotizes him to open the cage. Some Another thing where it's just like, oh, she just randomly has this magic power to make this moment marginally more tense for another two pages here.
0: Yeah, didn't really make sense. Um, and then there's a point where she's constricting Sam. Um, she's and dragged
1: him into the lake again.
0: And Yeah, and she's constricting him. As though she is a, a boa constrictor or some kind of constricting snake. And that's weird because they don't talk about her having like an extra long tail or anything. And even if she does, as she's constricting him, he somehow manages to kiss her to break out of the constriction. And that just doesn't make sense to me. Um, I don't really, have, I mean, unless she was constricting him with his face directly in front of hers. I
1: believe that's implied. <laughs> and
0: right as he's about to black out, he somehow has the strength to kiss her and that works. I just don't. She A, I she's so it.
1: stunned by the kiss that she momentarily like re- relaxes her grip so he can wiggle out and then he also gets right. the bonus water breathing, I suppose. But yeah, most constrictor things, they don't put their face up to the face of their prey. To, like, gloat. <laughs>
0: yeah, it just seemed weird. It just seemed a little, yeah, a little strange. Um Eventually, they're able to win, but she, um... I forget why, but she gets, like, thrown into the lake, and the medallion also gets thrown into the lake, and they're like, well, we're all safe, even though we don't really know where she is or the medallion, so whatever. Um...
1: Yeah, didn't no stabbing with any silver weapon happen?
0: Ah, uh, dude, I don't. I honestly don't remember. Uh, I don't
1: think anyone was stabbed.
0: Yeah, so I think she, they were you know,
1: menaced with the silver axe.
0: Yeah, and so she, you know, they're like, "Well, I don't know. She's probably that's all set." Even though the medallion and she are both in the lake. Wait, and- no, no, no,
1: no, no, no. Ale- uh, Sam smashes the medallion with the axe. That's what happens.
0: Oh. Right, right. That was the whole point. Right, right, right. Yeah, but okay. it, but it's still key thing to remember.
1: There, that's that's kind of on me.
0: <laughs> oh no, I I forgot too. But um, but hang on, I have a book right here. Um,
1: because like that's like kind of like the the very end thing is like Sam's got the axe in the air.
0: Oh, Sagita! Hey guys, remember that name? <laughs> no. Remember Sagita? Oh, that's for right. How from, can we forget? Holy uh, shit! So the hawk, um. The fucking... Mr. Brown's hawk
1: that he can communicate with. And yes. I think has, like, even takes over the body of?
0: Yes. Its name is Sagita, which you may remember from Maradonia. Yeah. Uh that's, that's... Is Sagita an, e- an eagle with a bunch of eyes in the Maradonia books? I forget. Something like I that.
1: It's just an eagle.
0: Um. So, yeah. So, the, the eagle come Or, sorry. The hawk Sagita comes down, I guess, Mr. Brown slash Sagita, because native americans Ugh, christ comes down and like starts pecking and distracts her with enough time for them to smash the medallion etc so sorry i found this so sam lifts his arm and with one swing brings the hatchet down onto the medallion loud thunder erupted from the medallion as the viking hatchet connected with it a brilliant flash of green energy energy surge blinding everyone a hundred bolts of lightning burst out from the medallion.
1: Oh, yeah, that part. I Sam forgot about was, that. <laughs>
0: Sam was thrown back. Yeah, because I knew there was an explosion. I kind of a big why. number there. Um, Sam was thrown backwards from the impact of the powerful explosion. Then everything went black. Um, Sam's ears were still ringing from the explosion's impact. As he slowly opened his stinging eyes, everything looked blurry. Um, right above him was his sister. She was clearly out of the trance. Um, so, yeah, so they they all wake up and basically in the in the chaos of the explosion and the thunder and all that stuff there. Nobody really knows what happened to the medallion or the mermaid. A couple people, I think Alex or someone else like, yeah, they both ended up in the lake, but then they're like, oh, well, like they're just like, yeah, I guess that's over with. It's like, what? You didn't know. It's not over. (laughs) Verify anything. No. And so, yeah, so that happens. Um, then there's a final chapter that implies months later that, um, Jessica actually came into p- the possession of the medallion, and uh, Aurelia actually took over Jessica.
1: Yeah, but I thought this was like a once in a hundred years. Is it like every full moon for that year?
0: Yeah, so that's the other thing. And <laughs> I mean, I mean, also it could just it could just be like a woo, because it ends with a what well, it would definitely sounds like Aurelia, or did it? Like that's yeah. how it ends I mean, in yeah. very
1: kinda of like shitty goosebumpsy, right? Like that's definitely like you get some of those stingery endings on some goosebumps books, I'm pretty sure.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um so very goosebumpsy. Um anyway, there's a couple other fucking weird things I want to touch upon. Um we talked about how the character of Mr. Brown is just fucking stupid and insensitive and like you know just man just flesh people out don't write people as caricatures it's, please yeah. it's even it's,
1: okay to have a native american character that might have some stories passed down through oral tradition or something i would even allow that depending i'm sure that's a thing with some tribal organizations
0: oh yeah i mean oral history yeah that's that's very common in it you know in, but to in, have him show groups.
1: up with the feather staff and Ugh, calling him young yeah. warrior and he's got his telepathic communication hawk and he's mystical like why can't he just be an old dude that lives nearby that has a weird story
0: i know it's such it's such a common trope too in these like fantasy books for young adults and i i just think it sets a it's a shitty example um and secondly um the romani are also there's also this like romani caricature um in the form of mrs fisher alex's mom you know, she's always wearing big skirts and, and fringe and she could tell something was up by his aura. And, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just, it's just like, fucking Christ. Yeah, I just, writing people as caricatures is just not cool. Please don't do it. Um, it, It's A, uncreative, and B, doesn't ac- accurately represent a fully fleshed out person or character, you know. Cause, so, yeah, it it's just, those two things really bugged me um let's see i'm sure i have more
1: there's like mild other continuity things or just like weird moments that point to like just how this thing could have used maybe another couple like a read like for example when mr brown and sam are conversing at one point like it's before they even they're sitting down for a storytelling session the first one and it says that sam and him just stare at each other for like five minutes and then Mr. Brown starts talking, which yeah. makes me think that he was waiting for Sam to start. And then he was like, oh, right. Shit. Oh, it's me. And like had to go. <laughs> There's also like a moment where like Sam is like the power goes out in his house and he's got a candle that he's bringing up to his room that he blows out. And then a page later, he's reading something by the glow of the candle that he
0: oh, I didn't catch that one. blew
1: okay. out. Or maybe there was other candles in his room, but it doesn't talk about him lighting any other candles. So, it, it just minor shit like this really pulls you out for a second.
0: Yeah, I've got a, I've got another few too for like continuity errors. So, there's a, there's a, a couple. There's like a short page and a half section where um, Alex and Sam are playing video games, and they're talking about them playing video games. And then I think Alex gets up to like open the window or shut the window or something because it was chilly, and he's like. And then they had to turn on the TV and I'm like You were just playing video games Why do you have to t- wasn't the TV already On you were just yeah. playing video Games seconds before this sentence happened <laughs> yeah. What what so that Was like a weird momentary Continuity error um, Also Aurelia The mermaid is very concerned like I said Earlier very concerned about being seen or discovered At all like does not want anyone to Even know even have a whiff of The fact that there might be a mermaid in Moon like But just decides, oh, yeah, I'm just going to come out in broad daylight in front of kids swimming in the lake to talk to you. Like, for one of the scenes where Sam meets up with her.
1: Yeah. like It's a close like, to the party that they are at. Right? She, like, she, like pops her head out at yeah. the party.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: he sees her at a time. distance.
0: He sees her at the party, but there's another scene where there are just kids swimming in the lake in oh. daylight. <laughs> daylight hours. <laughs> yeah. And it's like... That doesn't make sense, right? You know, if this mermaid was so concerned about being kept hidden, she wouldn't do that. Um, And then there's, like, another... I have another question about sort of Aurelia and her connection to the medallion, because it seems like she can speak through it. She can read the mind of someone who has it on. It kind of seems like she knows... Did you get the sense that she knew where the medallion was when Sam had it? I think she definitely
1: could, like, see out of it a little...
0: Right, right, so my question is, like, alright, the medall- when Sam found the medallion at the beginning of the book, it was, like, what, steps from the lake?
1: He traveled into the the forest for some cover from the rain, which is where he found the old shack with the canoe in it and the medallion. Right,
0: but not far at
1: all. Not that far, I think, like, maybe a the, few minutes walking.
0: Right, and in the final showdown between Aurelia and everyone, the Fishers and Sam and Ethan uh, and Leah... Um she shows that she can actually get around just fine on her hands on the ground. So if she has this mental connection with a medallion and can drag herself around just fine on her arm or hands and like arms, why wouldn't she just march herself over to the cabin and take the fucking medallion? I mean I guess it's Possible that she didn't know exactly where it was, but I mean, lady, you got a thousand fucking years to look around the lake, Yeah, right? and like, she
1: can breathe outside of water, fine, as in the yep. cave scene, and when she in the final confrontation, when she's just running around the shore on her hands, yeah. that's not the issue.
0: So maybe that you know maybe that that one has a little of my own speculation it, it, in it. Also, so but, you and know, that but,
1: same thing with the with the with the hut with the cabin in the in the boat. Though you and I had a mild disagreement before we started recording about like whether that boat in there was supposed to be another old Viking boat? Because I got the impression that it was supposed to be another old Viking boat that just no one found over there.
0: See, I, I didn't get that impression at all. I got the impression that it was just a canoe. Um, In fact, please hold. I have the book. I can check.
1: Yeah. But anyway, while you're finding that passage, the the point I'm trying to make is that you say, like, yeah, it's not too far from the shoreline. It wasn't like a long trip out to it for for Sam when he got out of the lake after the storm and getting caught up in the current and no one found this lean to before and found the medallion before.
0: Yeah.
1: Maybe the Um. boat was supposed to be like someone else, like someone else that Aurelia tried to trick over the thousand year period or something, but still like it's, I think the justification like, Oh, it's on the creepy side of the lake. So no one ever goes there to check anything. Yet, immediately, when a scientist pulls into town for the first time, as soon as he crosses the border, he gets out with the sheriff and he's like, we gotta go investigate the far side of the lake.
0: Yeah, um, so it doesn't actually, um, all it says is that the structure that he finds is a broken down boathouse, uh, it has dull grimy windows, um, that have shattered glass, he sees a canoe... And wonders who it belongs to. Um, The door is hanging on its hinges. Mold and vines were growing all over it. He realizes that the boathouse must have been very old. Rotten barnacles hugged the bottom of the canoe. And spider webs completely covered its interior. But there's no indication that it's a Viking vessel. Um,
1: I think I got that impression somehow in a later chapter. But yeah, I'll I'll take it where that was probably me misreading something.
0: Yeah, but anyway... um, but
1: how did no one find it ever? How did no one find it ever?
0: Yeah, a thousand years is a long time for it to be. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it hadn't been in that position for a thousand years. Maybe she had tried to trick someone before. Yeah, and like, like where it, it this is like up. a
1: hundred-year-old boat or something, but like yeah. no one went through there in the last hundred years and like took the cool medallion or something?
0: Eh, I, guess, I mean, I guess it's possible it could go undiscovered, but yeah, it, it does seem a little odd because this isn't a very large area. Um, anyway. It's
1: full of teens looking for stuff to do near a lake.
0: yeah. Yeah, just seems unlikely that it would have gone undiscovered. Um yeah, and so so th- the main thing I really want to talk about in terms of the whole pedophilia thing <laughs> um is how this sort of relationship is so common and often romanticized in fantasy books um and romance novels and everything where it's like you have a character who is a myth- mythical being who is hundreds or thousands of years old and they're always romancing a teenager uh, often often a teenager and i find that concerning um and I mean, it just yeah
1: huge anime trope too it's like this young looking girl is really a thousand year old alien so therefore it's totally fine
0: yeah. oh see so oh that's like yeah i guess i guess in that sense it's like justifying Oh, that's like almost justifying pedophilia in the audience. Yeah. That's creepy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, whereas where I feel like it happens most often with the young younger female characters and like older male vampires or werewolves or something. It's, I just don't love that that's so normal in our fiction, uh, in our media, you know? Uh, it, yeah. Just... I'm, I mean. Because like how, boor- okay. All right. All right. All right. I'm, I'm 31. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't but, <laughs> I can
1: go nowhere good, Paris. not <laughs> go nowhere good. What you gonna, what's, the, what's the next line?
0: I'm saying, how interesting am I going to be, even at 31, to someone who's 301? Like... Think about it. Yeah, you know, like somebody who's hundreds of thousands of years old. Why the fuck would they be interested in a fourteen-year-old or a sixteen-year-old or an eighteen-year-old? Like, wouldn't they be looking for someone else who fucking gets them at their ancient ass mythological yeah, creature okay, level, yeah, right? Sure,
1: yeah, I mean, are you talking about Aurelia here, Paris, or just this trope in general now? Because if the it's the
0: trope she- in general. Okay, yeah, because if it's just
1: Aurelia, that's like because she wants to steal his sister's body or something. I, you know, yeah, like- that
0: that's very obvious, but. You know, in general, when this appears in fiction, yeah. it's usually it's... they're usually like, "Oh no, it's a real romance. They're like meant for each other." <laughs> yeah,
1: I, yeah, it's it. That's always the thing that's made like even just like a ten year gap, or even sometimes like five to seven can be hey, enough hey, to
0: hey hey leave leave the five to seven year gaps alone. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not saying that
1: these relationships aren't impossible. I'm not going to sit here and say that like a 21-year-old and a 40-year-old can't have a good relationship, it's possible. But your point of, like, a 300-year-old and a 30-year-old, <laughs> it's a much wider gap, and it holds much more true in that uh, why would you want to talk with someone that is a tenth of your experience?
0: Yeah, it just seems a little odd. I, I mean, if I...
1: everyone around you is that, that kind of narrows your options, right? Like...
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess if it's a world where you're the only old-ass mythological creature, but that doesn't ever...
1: Yeah, usually there's other ones too, so...
0: Yeah, it just... Well, the problem... And again, it's like I... I, You know, we've had this discussion many times about the value of escapism and how much people draw from that to relate to in their real lives, and I I do think if you're writing books for younger folks, uh, it's important to... Maybe not include stuff like that, like you know, the Twilight series and all that stuff, because this like if you're on the younger sides, so if you're a preteen or a teenager, this is when you're forming ideas of what adult relationships are. And then you're reading these books where it's like, oh yeah, this ancient vampire is just going to sweep you off your feet, and it's totally cool to date a much older man. <laughs> yeah,
1: what if <laughs> he has cool vampire like, powers?
0: Ugh. Yeah, and it's yeah. like I don't know, uh, yeah. maybe that's not a great thing to peddle. Um, yeah. Well,
1: yeah, I think would it be better? I guess at least if most of the time the character was like of, you know, a reasonably mature age, like a 35 year old, someone that should have like equal footing with most other people in terms of maturity. Would that make it? But you don't see that. Like, I can't actually yeah, remember a thing. Exactly. It, like, the ancient being fell in love with the thirty-year-old.
0: Well, that right. Wouldn't it make more sense for them to be like, "Oh yeah, forty is a great age for me." Yeah. Or perfect.
1: about like the wizened old eighty-year-old king or something that gets it on with like the thousand-year-old mermaid because, like, at least he's seen enough shit to kind of get it. Like-
0: yeah, yeah. You're well. That's what I mean. You're right. It's always the very young impressionable teenager for the most part or maybe early 20s and it's like i don't know i just don't love that it's so common and it definitely is romanticized um and it's that way in a lot of fairy tales i mean look at beauty and the beast it's like sure. hey you should totally this love this is man who's just a
1: glorious imprisoned
0: is- yeah yeah exactly yeah to be fair i'm talking about this concept more generally but yeah definitely fall in love with this man who kidnapped your dad and then kidnapped you And, uh, yeah, fucking Stockholm Syndrome, that shit. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just, it's not my favorite. And I (laughs) wish that, I wish that media had better, healthier representations of, um, adult relationships.
1: Yeah, well,. We've got, I think, two more major points to make here, and I think I'll start with like the, a little, slightly more meteor one here, in that, um, obviously, hey, here we are doing our show called Terrible Book Club, that usually we're like, ha this book is real bad. But, like, this wasn't as bad as Maradona, like I said at the top of the show, this is an improvement for Gloria.
0: Oh, yeah, it's definitely an improvement for Gloria, but like if we look at that on a larger scale, like on a long enough timeline, <laughs> then like that's kind of what I wanted to get into here,
1: honestly, is that, um you know, we I think we're fighting against a little bit, at least I am, I guess if I'm admitting it to myself, the idea that we're not just out here to just shit on people, for laughs, just to you know, so we have content to generate here. And even if we panned your book before and we said you shouldn't have written that. continue to write like
0: well I don't think we've ever said that I mean I think we acknowledged in the books in the books that were published under her name previously that we we suspected there was a heavy hand in there that was not Gloria and it was in fact her dad or her mom or both Um, so I don't think we ever said to stop trying because we knew that she was being pressured by her family that's
1: that's what I'm trying to clarify here um, is, is that it's it's not like I think Gloria should never write again. How dare you release something like this. Like it's great that she improved. And it if she wrote this when she was younger, it would be a marked achievement, I would say.
0: Yeah, I'd say yeah, I would agree. Like if um if this was something she put out as a kid. Yeah, I mean obviously it still has a bunch of plot holes and stuff that you would hope an adult editor would catch in fact yeah but but as a twenty something that she i think she's she's a bit younger than us, I believe, right, yeah, um you know, as someone in their mid to late twenties, it's you know not i would expect higher higher quality of editing and checking of um you know. Continuity stuff. Yeah. Even um, if
1: we go with my earlier points, like maybe this is good for a, you know this is like a, a goosebumpsy thing for some yeah. middle schoolers or, or the type like that, which I think it could be serviceable in that area. So I, that's why I was very curious as to how Gloria marketed this, which admittedly wasn't much. It was like a book trailer on YouTube and then like an interview with her, which was just like her pointing a camera at herself with the book outside and like describing it a little bit.
0: I mean she she calls it a. Um, I believe a a fantasy, a fiction, fantasy thriller. Um, yeah, and like when, and I I don't think I would call it thriller.
1: There. It's 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 got a higher quality or a, I mean, they're not, I'm not saying like a lot of thrillers are like superb out there, but it's. I don't know if I'd call Goosebumps books thrillers.
0: Right, <laughs> right. Right. right, yeah, yeah. You are you are 100 right in that this this reads like an early draft of a goosebumps book that needs a couple more passes um and then i think it could be yeah a goosebumps like story for a kid for younger readers um not even young adult cuz i think that might be even too a little too old for this yeah this is
1: for like i said um, this is like a middle school thing i would middle
0: say middle ed- elementary school mid- like late elementary yeah elementary school i would say um but even then
1: like you shouldn't you shouldn't like assume kids have to read stuff where people say thoughts out loud yeah, and, like, speak it off sentences. Like, yeah,
2: when I was in middle that, school,
1: I was reading some pretty decent lit pieces. Like, we were reading Catcher in the Rye and shit, which isn't, like, the best letter. But, like, it's a serious book with a serious subject that a middle schooler can handle.
0: Right, right, right. I, and I agree, with, I agree with you, which is why I was hesitant to, to be in support of this as a kid's book. But I guess if it's going to be anything, it's going to be a children's book for kids in, like, elementary school. But... I do want to give kids, like you said, kids deserve more credit. I was also reading, like many, many children read things that um, are more serious, have more weight, are more complex. They can handle it. And honestly, it's only going to make them better readers and better thinkers if you push them into things that are maybe a little ahead of where they're supposed to be. Um, So... I don't love the idea that children's literature has to be dumbed down like this because this definitely does feel dumbed down in a lot yeah, and, of
1: ways. Yeah, and we're even we're we're still framing this as a kids' book when I don't really don't think that's what Gloria was aiming for here. Well,
0: that's the thing; it's unclear. Yeah, um, I guess I should check the Amazon listing and see. Um... Yeah, and like so,
1: the the broader point I'm trying to make here is that I don't know if, if for some reason Gloria listens to these. I doubt she would because why?
0: Uh, no way
1: but like it, continue to try to hone your craft this was an improvement you could do without using some samey devices unless you want like I don't know Maradonia to be connected to Moon Lake somehow with your Sagita Sagita
0: oh sorry there is an age level here Um, it is ages 8 to 18 which okay I would definitely move that a lot lower um. yeah
1: okay but it's not aimed at like adults I guess which fine all right but like even like I can't imagine an 18-year-old reading this.
0: Yeah, this is children's sword and sorcery, children's fantasy. Uh that's the categories listed. Yeah, it's yeah, those are those that is too high of an age bracket, I would say.
1: Okay. That honestly so improves my opinion of this book if it's categorized as such.
0: Uh, I would say it improves my opinion of the idea of the book. Sure, um, yeah,
1: I'm well, that's kind of what I'm getting at too. It's still I mean, I was reading like if you're talking about like 12 and up, I was reading like Lord of the Rings and like Dragonlance shit at that point. So, yeah, I would find this to be baby shit if I, if I oh, liked. I would too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, if
0: I like, I was, yeah, like I was heavily into philosophy and in the Marquis de Sade when I was like 14 through 18. So, yeah, not me.
1: I was, I was reading I fan fictions. <laughs> so, I
0: can't imagine. I mean, and not that those are like, anyway, anyway, I don't mean to sound, I don't mean to come off sound like a fucking egotistical asshole, but point being. This is definitely for a younger age bracket than I think they're even citing. The I would agree
1: there, but, like, yeah, just... Next time, really look for those continuity little mishaps and, like, especially, like, on the summary thing with, like, the legends appearing there when you haven't mentioned legends yet. I Fine, yes, I can fill in with context clues, but that's not how good writing works. It, it Like, good writing feels like it's pulling you along this thread constantly where you don't have to, like sit and reorient yourself every, you know, handful of pages when something just seems like a record skipped or something.
0: Yeah. Um. So. That's what I have uh, to say about that. Yeah, I'm.
1: I mean, we're always, like, I guess we're always progressing as artists, too. Like, you could find stuff that I've made oh, yeah. that I, like. So we're not immune. Oh,
0: same. That. Oh, absolutely. Like, I'm embarrassed by some of the shit out there with my name on it. But that that's every creative person. However, I think that we both take steps to make sure that everything, every successive thing we make is improved um, and I just think that there's a little too much wrong with this at this stage in her career I guess, right? Yeah. The, you the, would think that she would have enough experience basic mistakes. with Yeah, so yes, it's an improvement, but I still would not recommend this book to anyone. No. Um,
1: I, I, you know what I do like about it? Two things I like about it. The what? material of the cover, the binding, is quite nice to touch. Great. <laughs> right. Secondly, some of the
0: illustrations are alright. Oh yeah, let's talk about the illustrations. Yes, that's our last major
1: point here.
0: Alright, so, um, I spent...
1: <laughs> There's a spreadsheet on, on, There's on a spreadsheet. <laughs> I made
0: another spreadsheet. Hey, it's spreadsheet time with Terrible Book Club! Once again, Paris made another fucking spreadsheet because she can't help her goddamn self. So... I spent my after I spent a couple hours this afternoon making my spreadsheet, and this spreadsheet is a list of all the illustrations that are reused throughout Maradonia and Moon Lake. <laughs> um, because I opened Moon Lake, I started flipping through it and recognized one of the drawings, and I was like, "Oh, I've definitely seen that in a previous Maradonia book." So. Just, like, a a sequence in a a real thriller film where, like, the detective starts figuring shit out in a montage, that's how I was with these... I was like, wait, I remember this (laughs) illustration. And then as I'm flipping through that book, I'm like, oh, here it is. It's in this one, too. And I'm like, wait, I gotta check for other ones. And then I start finding all these connections. I start, you know, (laughs) fucking connecting the red string on the bulletin board behind me to the other dot. Oh, yeah. So, I've discovered that there are so many reused illustrations between these books it's just not okay and the reason it's not okay is that they're reused for different things there it's not like oh here's king apollyon and here's him again so we're going to use the same illustration it's like here's king apollyon and then here's some fucking demon or something and here's sagita but then here's a rockin and it's the same exact image um (laughs) yeah and if you remember rockins were the what were they, like evil battle crows or something yeah. like that? Yeah,
1: they were like genetically um, engineered battle crows, which is, awesome. yeah. that's kind of a cool concept now that I'm saying it out loud, if it was uh, executed less silly as having and, their leader name be named Big Bertha.
0: Yes. Uh, and there are some illustrations that actually span three of the books, so we have, well, I guess so Maridonia the Seven Bridges, the Gold of Ophir, Law of Blood, and the Moon Lake. So there are some that are in Gold of Ophir, Law of Blood, and Moon Lake. There are a ton <laughs> That, sh- that are shared between Gold of Ophir and Law of Blood, including the cover of Law of Blood, which is the final illustration in Gold of Ophir, um, I could go on. It's just absurd. <laughs> Let's um, count, I mean, like, in terms
1: of reuses, there's, like, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19 images that are reused at least twice with, like, I think... Two of them being reused three times. I think the Branch Moon gets used in Seven Bridges, Law of Blood, and Moon Lake, according to your spreadsheet here, which seems mm-hmm. to me like the most egregious triple use there.
0: Yeah, there's there's just a, a ton of stuff. I just don't understand why you would reuse illustrations from another book for totally different places and characters and try to say that they're the same
1: yeah. you're trying to save that illustration budget even though I'm fairly sure it's still just Gloria's mom doing the drawing oh there.
0: yeah it is it's all it's all Marina Turkle of that's like
1: yeah I guess she doesn't want to like drop a whole fresh new batch all the time but like it's this isn't like you know oh your favorite prog band keeps using this one musical theme like one time per album to like you know give a nod to fans or something it's it's just recycling blatant recycling for just like take up space pretty much
0: yeah that, and that that's the thing I did appreciate that Moon Lake had so few illustrations compared to the Maradonia books which had an illustration at the beginning of every single fucking chapter and it was just like why are we doing this you know um,
1: I, I do like some of the illustrations though
0: I mean, some of some of them are fine. There's this, fine. There's They're this, fine. Yeah, there's this one
1: where it's I, it's supposed to be like Aurelia underwater. It almost looks like there's like a bunch of octopus tentacles or something, kind of like around her in like this kind of trippy look. That's like I don't know. If I drew that, I'd be fairly proud of it.
0: I mean, I think that. Some of them are fine, but so many of them are so terrible that it really overshadows the ones that are, like, kind of okay. The branch
1: moon one is cool. I like that. Uh, Uh, But I'm a sucker for trees. I'm a sucker for decent branches. They're not even, like, like amazing branches.
0: But I just think that if you're... Like, when you're publishing something, I just think that there should be a higher level of quality control
1: it also also feels like it was like i I can't i don't know how pencil drawing works all the time but something feels like a little bit like school notebook pencil drawing about it and not like a like a really nice pencil drawing i don't know how to describe it it's like the it's like the pencil was always a little bit dull
0: yeah i mean and it's weird because some of them are decent like the drawing of the bass on page 209 in moon lake is actually not terrible um it's that's fine. It looks like a bass. Yeah,
1: looks fine. It's got a weird mo- Oh, actually I do remember one thing about that fish. That that it, it, I don't know if you have it in front of you. I do. But the, the those fish lips look a little too foreskinny for me, Paris.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't look at bass often, so I guess I'm not sure, but um <laughs> it, well, I, I don't think there's
1: there's something about that that just Oof. looks a little looks a little
0: yeah, I mean, in general, I think the illustrations that are that maybe haven't haven't appeared in other Meridonia books um, look a little better. But I, I don't actually think that they were drawn for this. I think they were just pulled from Marina's stash of stuff because she's an art. She like has been selling her art for a long time. So
1: there's definitely that one picture of like Aurelia swimming through an underwater cave because like there's a mermaid in the middle of an underwater cave. Which I don't know unless. She does a lot of mermaid-specific artwork all She does. On she own.
0: does. Her mom is oh. obsessed with mermaids. That's okay. where mer- That's where Gloria gets it from.
1: All right. Well, point taken, I guess, there. <laughs> I'll, I'll set uh, aside this, yeah. this musket here and walk away from this hill, which I will not die on. The, um, yeah.
0: So, I just... <sighs> it, this, this, it's just hard. The this sheen hard.
1: of laziness still over this.
0: Yes. Right? That like, this, is... Yes. That sh- is...
1: That's the thing about uh, Gloria's output here. There's just... You can tell that not all the effort was put in.
0: Yeah. Needs more effort, more editing, more care. Uh, The whole mom being the illustrator um, should probably... Family business? (sighs) I don't know. <laughs>
1: you sound so, so dejected now, Barry.
0: Yeah, because I just want this to be over. I'm so tired of reading Maridonia related material. <laughs> I know. Uh, I, we still got uh, one more to go. And so then know, hopefully we, we're done forever. I uh, fucking hope uh, we're done forever.
1: Uh, yeah, because like, I guess this is where we can start wrapping this show up now. And we can talk yeah. about some future things, which, you know, hey, next month we're reading Law of Blood. Or not next month, like next episode, rather. You don't have to wait that long. Um, yeah, Paris is blood. currently kinda of making our way through it. We have like these like quarantine book exchanges that happen sometimes where I just like leave books on Paris's porch like some kind of terrible book gremlin <laughs> and scamper away.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean that is kind of how it has to be right now because I have to, like, a bum lot of a
1: ride from my roommate to like get that to happen.
0: Well, and a lot of yeah, the reason we have to do that is just because um a lot of books that we have to that we a lot of books that patrons request are not available on um, electronically. They're and this one
1: wasn't available in many places.
0: Yeah, uh, well, yeah, can we talk about how we've spent more money on Gloria Tesh books than on, like, any other books by Number any author? Number one
1: expense of your patron dollars, which I guess is somewhat your choice, right? So.
0: Well, yeah, they asked, and we're, we're providing. Teriblo is providing. Um, But, yeah, Moon Lake was, like, Paid like twenty bucks for that shit. Yeah. We never pay that much for books. Law of Blood. We'll tell you how much that costs when we do that episode.
1: Yeah. So uh, take your guesses now, over unders.
0: Yeah, yeah. Take your yeah. Actually, I want to. I want to see. Get your guesses in um, for how much law the Law of Blood cost.
1: Um. And all right. feel well, cool when you get it right because I don't. Are we we're not gonna give away. Any, we'll send you Law of Blood. <laughs> <laughs> no you have it motherfucker
0: no that, that's a special the, us uh i can't i'm so i think i'm just really hot right now because when yeah we, we had to turn the fan
1: we suffer for, for you listeners
0: oh, god it's it's like two months early where we're suffering <laughs> during episodes normally we're not hot and dying during episodes until like july and august but Man, Memorial Day weekend, fucking bam, humidity and high 80 degree weather or, yeah. you know, high, high 20 degree weather if you're counting in centigrade. But, um, yeah, I'm just a little, t- I think I'm just a little sweaty. <laughs> I need, I need uh, some
1: water. I need, yeah. little, I need a little snack.
0: Anyway, um, if you are a $10 a month or higher patron, then you actually can request us um, to send you a real terrible book that we will sign and write you a nice message in. But... If you are not in that tier of patrons, then sadly, we will not be sending you a book. Even if you guessed the right amount for Law of Blood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I think we talked about all the things that we would have to fix to make this serviceable. Um, but it is an improvement.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's not. It's not good. Don't read it. But it's an improvement.
1: Keep writing, Gloria.
0: Keep writing. Keep 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 uh, keep trying. Um, all right so thank you to our patrons thank you kieran for suggesting this book we hope you enjoyed forcing us to suffer through the secret of moon lake uh we'd also like to thank Dari, greg will veronica d lynn sinya yakub bobby black cat jensina mayo cat elliot and martin uh p.s jared um you keep Getting removed and re-added on Patreon, so you're like a half patron right now. I'm not really sure what the fuck's going on. So <laughs> calling um, you
1: out right here, <laughs> everyone. No, I've no, got no. a bunch of the auditory with stage and asked Jared out. And if no. you don't fix this, we'll start screeching very loudly on the next episode.
0: No, no, no. I just wanted, uh, I just wanted to let it let him know that there's something weird going on. I don't know if it's Patreon or I don't know what's going on. But you keep, you're like one day you're a patron, the next day you're not, and I, I don't know what the hell's going on. So thanks half of jared um if you <laughs> if you want to help support the show um you can donate one five or ten dollars a month or whatever um, amount you choose to us on patreon for various rewards um you can subscribe and follow us on various fucking platforms i don't know tell people about the show give it a read yeah ring, the youtube send us a facebook message. instagram
1: uh, goodreads itunes Podbead, Podcaser, podcaster pod racing <laughs> Got you with that one, eh, Ferris?
0: I just spent water all over my laptop.
1: Oh well, I'm sorry about
0: that.
1: (laughs) Hope it's not too bad. Wow! Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You shouldn't take sips Uh, when I'm on a roll. You uh, knew there was a punchline coming.
0: Chris, you're reading the show closing. I did not. I thought it was safe. (laughs) Uh, Sorry. Oh man. All right. Well. Uh, you
1: can also contact us on Instagram, Facebook, Instagram, Instagramble. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Goodreads, or send an email to terriblebookclub at gmail.com um, with, uh, you know, just general tomfoolery. Leave a YouTube comment or something so that we stop getting just like spam comments. There's some legitimate comments, but there's also like we're we're getting picked up in that algorithm now where like the spam bots are coming out and just posting loved it at the bottom.
0: Oh, whatever. I don't care. Um, yeah, that's fine. I, I do. Know. Oh, you know what? You know who I, I think my favorite uh, commenter so far is Mr. Rat. Mr. Uh, Rat is
1: my favorite.
0: Yeah. Hello, just, Mr. Rat. I love I love your absurd comments, and I love commenting back in an absurd way. I'm and trying to figure out if there's fun. like
1: a pattern there, like some kind of Cockney rhyming slang that I'm not picking up on. Don't oh give me God. a hint, Mr. Rat. Just like keep doing it. I, w- I want to figure this puzzle out, and then you will send me a copy of Love <laughs> Oh, maybe if that's – we could have gotten it for free that way.
0: Oh bummer all right right. well uh we'll see you in two weeks for the law of blood which is another patron choice episode um until then i guess read up on your maradonia and gloria tesh lore um you know get all get all read up uh before we
1: yeah hopefully that dark souls remake where it's all maradonia stuff instead oh and send me that (laughs) oh
0: Oh imagine. Oh that would be beautiful. <laughs> Actually, I like our Boston Souls uh, yeah, idea that's, better. Yeah, that's that's a side
1: project that will never come to fruition, but I can have a dream about that.
0: Oh, me too. Yeah, if any of you are good at coding um uh mods for video games, let us know because yeah, we have we would some lo- we have we some would love quests. to fund a project yeah. with your
1: patron money.
0: <laughs> no, with our personal money, yeah. but um Anyway, uh, just, yeah, uh. See you later. Wow. Yeah, bye. Fuck bye. off. <laughs>